Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Live on a first Friday edition of the program. I am merely Bo. He is the great Z. How you living, buddy? I'm doing well. I'm doing. I'm doing well. This weather. It's. I've had enough of it. You don't say. I called the kid, and I was. You know. You know. We're we're scheduled to play Friday and Saturday. Not looking now. We're just hoping for one of the two. Seventy. Which one's best day. chance? N- neither. <laughs> neither. All right. Let me see. Like Let's if you see. had to bet on two for two. One for two or zero for two, zero for two is a heavy favorite, and it's going to be slop. I think That's you, the other it's going to be slop. Your best chance would be like Friday morning, right? Well, yeah, because it, or late Saturday afternoon, but that's mm. after a that's day it. and a half of yeah, no grossness, mm. gross. Yeah, not looking good. Very. This is how I envision Scotland. I've not this is been like Scotland, but uh, you've colder been, though. But like this, like this heavy mist. This is what Seattle's like a lot. Like fall in Seattle, right there. Just a thick mist, cool. That's that's where you're at. That's what it reminds me of. It's not great. Gibby's going to play anyway. To hell with it. Of course. Yeah. Gibby was out storm chasing last night, saying I've had a good run, staring up what looked to be for a second there a pretty wild funnel. I never got right anything even extreme. Did you? No. Nothing. nothing. Did you, Gibby? No, and it, it broke up. Uh, it was out in Lagrange. It, it broke up a little bit and kind of weakened after that. And yeah, it, it became just a rain, some lightning, a little thunder, nothing, nothing really crazy. Things got a little interesting at our place because the path of that storm was going to be coming right through us. Yeah. But, so I was like, all right, well, I'm at the high school. I'm at an after prom meeting. Might as well go outside. They were like evacuating like people into like interior rooms. Were I'm they like, really? Oh yeah, the whole anybody that was did in it the ever high reach warning or was it just watch? Oh yeah, no no, we went warning. Oh, you the had sirens warning. went off. Oh wow, I did not know that. Yeah, sirens. I thought they it went stayed. in. My wife goes, "Where are you going?" I go, "I'm out going outside." This yeah. is what I do. I'm with you. I would do what you do. I, I would want to go like, see what's. I going need on. to see what what you, take we're a look looking at. This at. You guys are cut from the same cloth as my Nano. May he rest in peace. Yeah, the original. Dragomir Zagura. Yeah. Because there was a tsunami headed for San Francisco low those many low. years ago. Yeah. And what did he do? Went right to the beach to see it. Sure. Now, fortunately, it didn't come because had it. Maybe yeah. I'm not here. True. <laughs> maybe I'm not those here. Those loins yeah, are I'm, responsible for a lot for a of lot. greatness. That's right. That, com- that follows. That's right. Wow. <laughs> That's what he did. Well, let me go see this. That sounds interesting. Go Let's take a look. a big wave. I want to see it. Yeah. See what happens here. No. Wrong. Don't do that. No, you don't. Yeah, I didn't it realize was, it, it reached warning. Yeah, I we hit, saw the we watch. Hit warning. It was it was a quick one. It was like 20, 25 okay. minutes. Um, and, and then it just kind of uh, dissipated. 
and became just a, a regular old thunderstorm. Windy, but nothing uh, nothing too crazy, which was good. I mean, didn't come down, didn't really – I don't think there was a whole lot to it. I don't know if it even came down. But, yeah, I didn't hear any reports of anything um, insane. I was but, yeah. Usually they have to break in if it's warning. Watch, they don't have to. They can run a ticker, but warning, yeah. they got to go. Yeah, they. Yeah, it, it did go warning for a little bit, and that's when mm. like I'm in this meeting, and, and I see a janitor go running by, and I'm like looking outside, and the sky's turning green, and I'm like, eh, I know what this is going to be because we true. are right by a bunch of glass. We're in the yeah. cafeteria. They're going to have to evacuate us. It is what it is. It would have been a perfect night for chasing, too. Yeah, you were excited about it. Was, the, the, it was light enough. You could lighting, see what you yeah. were doing. Yeah, you liked the illumination. He was a yeah. big fan of that. You, his, can't, uh, his, you don't want to chase it in the dark. Your advice to me was get it on the patio and watch. Just watch it come in. Yeah. Just watch the storefront come in. It's pretty, like, it's relaxing. You hear you, the thunder, the rolling thunder, and uh, yeah. Yes. Your, um, you need to do yourself a favor one spring uh, go to like Montana or Colorado, someplace on the Rocky Mountain front, the eastern side of the Rocky Mountain front, and where you can see a storm come in from a hundred miles away. Because you be, can, you know where else yeah. you, you can, love. you can see it coming. And the because there because you have the mountains, you you get perspective of it. Whereas on in flatland Midwest, when you see the big storms coming, sometimes you can't. You can't get high enough to where you can see perspective, but out west you can. Yeah, you can hear it in the Midwest. Correct. You can't see it. I was going to tell him too. Tucson is great because Tucson's surrounded have that by mountain ranges on I think like almost every side, and so yeah. in the summer the monsoons you can actually watch them kind of bounce off the mountain ranges and yeah. keep coming back around like a like a That's TV very cool. like a TV graphic, you know, you're yeah. a screensaver. See the lightning come. Give it really have a field day with that. He'd like that a lot. But I have a couple of things I want to get into. Go. If you're ready. I've already have the grievances. All right. Rest and ready. No, Rest not no ready. grievances. Number one, your quarter zip today. Spectacular. Oh, thank you. In, in anticipation of your departure slash then arrival at Bighorn. You're in a Bighorn. Yes. A waffle. It looks like it's it could waffle. be made out of a robe. And it's just Very comfy. Uh, nice white. Oh, it's really. got to be luxurious. It feels great. Breathable. Functional. Breathable. What yep. a logo. Everything about it. Top notch. Number two. Yep. I've also seen a quarter zip today that you and I need to get, and we need to figure out where it is. And Gibby, I don't know wait, if wait, you wait, can wait, find wait, it. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Where? Uh, look at senior swag. Senior just swag. Coming in look here. at him. He's all going the way in. Look through. at the look at the Air Maxes ready to go. I oh, believe those goodness. are the noir. Yeah, they look like a nice noir. Yeah, I believe that's, that's exactly a fancy what one. That is. That's a swag yeah. level. All of his. It was own. interesting. I was with uh, one of our fantastic uh, ticket reps oh. the other day. Okay. And Swag walks up. Mm. Yep. And one of the new people called him by his real name. And the the fine ticket member that uh, I was talking to said, no, 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 no. The name is Senor Swag. That's right. And there'll be a quiz later on in the day, rookie. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. Put him in his place. It was good. If that yeah. person weren't gainfully employed, they'd be up at the top of the list for the new Stevie. That's exactly right. Yeah. What's this quarter zip that you speak of? So I'm in the cafe. Okay. I'm and in comes notes. Dan Sagany. Okay. Sags. Pro personnel director. Tremendous human. Long tall, strider. Tall drink of water. Long no strider, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Probably six, he's got stuff to do. 6'6". Six, six. I think he's about 6'6", yeah. six, six, Gibbe, Sags. Yeah. Sags. Oh, six, yeah. Six. Yep. Used to be a lineman, by Used the way. Used to be a lineman. That's right. Thin down now. Slim. Looks lean, great. Mean. Yeah. Uh, he is wearing a white 
white quarter zip it has on the shoulders like oh, a, come like on. an orange just just a little thin orange stripe over the shoulder yep and the only logo is an embroidered 1946 that logo and i was like wait a second hold on where'd you get that he said oh, i got it they gave it to me before i went to the senior boy I said need more I need more information than this. I've never seen those in any rotation. I've no. never seen never them in seen a team it. shop. I've never, never seen them. I'm going to go investigate though. That has well, led me into an investigation. And but right now we're at odds. It's spectacular. He was very pleased that I was so happy about it. Yeah, it's a. It's got the 1946. Do we logo, know the white? Are we sure who the who? I wonder who, who is it. A vineyard vines. I don't know the answer to that. I should have asked that. I might be able to text him. I think you can. I feel like it, my hunch is it's a Nike. It I want to say new it's era. a Nike. Could be new era. They are, they're kind of getting into that a little bit. Oh boy, that's a, that is a just a fantastic. I mean, is there anything even you know in a quick search? Is there anything even in the vicinity of that anywhere for purchase? Um, that feels like a real win for everybody. It's a huge win. I want it. It would be. Like if we are able to find it, I would I would buy it right now. It feels like we, even you and at I, Masters prices. It feels that's like how much Masters like prices. It. Yeah, that's how it much feels like. like a gold jacket quarter zip. You and I have been looking for oh, and have been proponents of the quarter zip in any form. For you, really have upped my quarter zip. I had for, some before you, but I didn't have. I hadn't adopted it as like a way of life. It's such. It's just the versatility is unmatched. You can wear it You're to not a white tablecloth. White tablecloth or on golf. the golf. Whatever you want, living at Pebble Beach, wherever you need to be. That's right. Yeah, it's I, there's right, so nothing. I'm getting, there's nothing. I'm All right, getting, let's get to the bottom. We'll of this. get to the bottom of this. All right, so you have that. number three. Okay, three notes. Last night. Okay, one of the greatest comedians ever, albeit controversial, but one of the greatest comedians ever, Dave Chappelle. Yeah, was performing okay. at the Hollywood Bowl. Okay, Los Angeles in Los Los Angeles. Phenomenal venue. If anybody's ever taken yes. in a show at the Hollywood Bowl, I have not, but I'm familiar I am with it. Tremendous. What'd you see there? What did I see there yeah. back in the day? It was like a, a festival concert, like multiple bands. I want to okay. say that like Blink-182 was one of them. That the would be appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> that's who I remember. It was like a bunch of a hodgepodge. Um, that was one of the times I was out there to do TV, and they were like, hey, we're going to the Hollywood Bowl tonight for yes. music. And I said, okay. I, Sold. So apparently we are. Phenomenal. Um, so Chappelle's performing. Do you guys know this story that I'm about to tell you? I do. Okay. Yeah. Gibbe, are you familiar with it? I am not. Oh, boy. So Chappelle's performing, and somebody in the middle of his set mm -hmm. runs on stage and spears him. Yes, not a clean connect. No, they but, miss, but, but it's a they went for it an out and out spear. It's an Oklahoma drill type attempt at spear yeah. with a old much school longer Oklahoma. runway. Yes. Yeah, old school Oklahoma drill. So he goes to spear Chappelle. What? Okay. Then he hits Chappelle, gets up and runs, and there's like. It feels like there are 10 dudes already on stage going after this guy. Mm -hmm. He ends up getting caught behind screen. So, And I have not yet seen, maybe you have, a video of what actually happens to him. The next video you see are twofold. One, Chris Rock just happened to be there. Oh, my gosh. He's in the middle of everything. Walks on stage and grabs the mic from Chappelle and goes, was that Will Smith? which might be the joke of the century. Okay? <laughs> I, did, I didn't see that part. Okay, and then the best is when you find that, that's on Barstool. When you see Chris Rock take that joke and say it, there is a dude in the background 
who must be one of like the heavies for Chappelle that makes a face at Chappelle when Chappelle laughs and kind of looks at this guy who must be one of like the heavies that are handling the problem. This dude has one of the most intense, scary faces I've ever seen in my life. So you get the Chris Rock joke. Then you'll see this guy who looks like Charlie Murphy, like when he was like crazy Charlie Murphy. being yeah. Charlie Murphy. Okay. So you get that. Now, the next video that you'll find in this series of videos is of the attacker on a stretcher coming out with what appears to be his arms have been cut off and reattached to his body backwards. His elbows, his arms are completely broken. His elbow was out in front of your face, and this wow. dude has paid a significant price for his attempted spear on Dave Chappelle. And I am pretty sure no one in their right mind will ever attack Dave Chappelle on a set again because this dude's arms are mangled. I mean, good. You got it coming. Well, Dummy. yeah. I mean, it's a felonious assault. Yes. This is this is known. All right. So in the commercial break, I need to find you. So Chris Rock is there, grabs the microphone, goes, so Chris that Rock Will has Smith? not spoken since. Since. Anywhere. He did on like one, he did one comedy show, where he, but he didn't really say he, much. He did not say, he, he, he did not talk about it in yeah. his set at all. Yeah. But he grabbed the mic and goes, was that Will Smith? It's on Barcel. But then the guy in the background is an interesting character that I would love to have a 30 for 30 on just who he is. Because the face he makes has an intensity that I'm not familiar with. And then the video of the guy, Lance Zerline is the one who tweeted out the video that I saw of the guy. And his, all he said was, Nobody's ever attacking Chappelle again. And then you look at this and you're like, wait a second. Anatomically speaking, what is going on with this dude's arms and forearms? And, and none of it's right. Wow. That's amazing. It's amazing. So many questions. One, how did he get to the point where he was able to do that? How did he get that close? How could you get? He, how did he get on stage? How did he get on stage? How did he get it? Yeah. Yeah, you would think that he would have had like a couple of dudes – you know, on right at the front of the stage. What happened in the intercept. aftermath makes me wonder if he had a couple of dudes were like, all right, we're going to let you get one shot because we've got bigger plans for you. And that necessitates you taking a shot because the guy came out of there not looking human. Which <laughs> <laughs> it It's crazy. But then Chris Rock, that's, that might be in this a moment, of a, the joke of, it might be the joke of our lifetime. It's as quick, in the moment. it's as quick as you can be. From a wit standpoint, it's as quick as you can be to pounce in that moment. Okay, Barstool just tweeted out the alleged attacker's arm. And? It's nuts. <laughs> All of this is available. We'll, we'll look at it in the in the break. But Fantastic. Gibby, I can't believe that this, you didn't see this. This is just. <sighs> uh, you get what what's coming to you. Oh, there's no if, doubt about it. If you run it. onto a football field or a baseball field, you are fair game for them to haul you off. And what happens when they haul you behind the wall where no yeah. one can see? Hey, that's on you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, you're, that's you're all appropriate. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's it, the way it should be. This will deter you. They should just beat them in front of everybody. But, I mean, that's – you can't you can't be doing that. That 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 is, that is not right. Sounds like he was dealt with accordingly. There's a lot of stuff on this in terms of who else was there. Uh, Jamie Foxx was there. Buster Rhymes was there. Boy, and they've all got entourages probably. 
probably not a nice night to be doing that. All right, what have, what have, have you come across any of the things that I want to do? Yeah, I've you? seen some. It's a stunning. Yeah, so I just I can't hear it obviously, but I see the the rock taking the mic from Chappelle to drop. What the about line. the guy's face in the background? Of that video. Look at the very end when Chappelle turns and looks at there's a guy that's just over his left oh, boy. who makes a face that I am yeah. just like. Yeah. Things Whoa. things went bad. Yeah. I want no part of that guy. That guy. It's a big stage. Huge. The guy sprinted across it, goes for the spear. He tried to recreate Wyatt Teller's block against the Bengals last year. Missed. Missed. Unlike Wyatt. That's incredible. Wonder what, the, what are you thinking, man? What are you thinking? Well, he's going to have a lot of time to think while he's getting his arm repaired. He certainly is. Uh, we've got big, big L luminaries on the program today. Paul DePodesta is on the program. Dane Brugler on the on the program to wrap up the draft and everything. Yeah, and 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 Dane has done a lot of good things. Yeah, we're we going to have to umbrage. We're going to have to. Yeah, he's. It, you wouldn't think when you produce eight thousand pages in the smallest font possible that you would miss a detail, but fortunately he has. Yeah, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. Did you watch any of the sports last night? I didn't, but my dad was furious with what was going on with the Warriors. It was a great game. Jaw 47. 47 for Jaw. J.J. Redick defending Draymond this morning, which was great. Yeah, that was good. He's such a worthy enemy. I just think it's great. Like, I guarantee you, if I ask both of you, I guarantee you, you have a friend who is a pain in the ass, but he's your friend, and so you put up with it and deal with him. Of course, of course, you know, I know, you know exactly. No names, please. We don't need to yeah. out anybody. But I know a friend like that. You guys know friends like that. Draymond's that guy. He's the guy. Who's, if he's in your circle, he's great. You deal with it. It's great. You love having him in the mix. If he's not, you hate, you hate him. him. And that's he's so willing at that. It's great. He was great. Well, and I think that in his mind, what makes. What truly makes the best heels or baby faces, in, to take a wrestling analogy, is that they absolutely believe with 100% conviction in what they're saying and what yeah. they're doing. And he does. And yet his conviction and his belief in those things make him loved by his circle and hated by everybody else. Yeah. And that's what's awesome. About and I hope he only plays there. I hope the only team he plays for is the Golden State Warriors, that him and Steph and Clay only play there. It's perfect. It, it really is. Um, all right, we've got some news on some international games. We will uh, we will go over those with you. We, as I mentioned, we have Dane Brugler, Paul DePodesta going to join us at 2 o'clock. We're off and running here on a first Friday edition of the program, Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. OBM, Ohio Business Machine, preferred copier provider of your Cleveland Browns. Of all the X's and O's for your office, call 216-485-2000 or visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. If you could pick, so the NFL announced all of their uh, international games, five of them, uh, three countries represented here, England, Germany, and Mexico. If you were to rank these one through five based on, if you had no interest in, no, no, for another, in other words, take your San Francisco team of your youth out of it, which of these would you rank them one through five that you'd be most interested in going to and tying up the fact that they're in where are we doing at. as if like the Browns were in the game, which game would I want to be a part of? You could do it that way. Let's do it that way. All right. Number one, I'd want to do uh, Munich and go to the home of FC Bayern Munich. I think that sounds incredible. Um, I've never been to Munich, so that 
puts it high on the list. I've never been to Mexico City, but I've not heard necessarily the greatest things about it. Yeah. I do enjoy the fact that it's called Estadio Azteca. I think that is strong to quite strong. Very strong. Uh, yeah, the reputation there, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I've done the London thing already, so I would probably go Munich, Mexico City, Wembley, because I have not done Wembley, and then Tottenham. And then Tottenham. The new Tottenham Stadium, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in, in London as yeah, well. What do you think about that ranking? I think you have it right. I think the I think the uh, Allianz Arena in mm. uh, in in Munich would be the one for, uh, for where Bayern plays. I think that makes all the sense in the world. I think yeah. that's a fun matchup as well. And if we were in that game, that would be a great one. Feels like feels like Germany. I mean, you, does anyone go there on vacation? I and don't. I'm, I don't know. For and I'm, and I've heard it's great. Like you go. I mean, I'm half German, so I, you would, it would be something that Ooh. you think I'd want to knock out. I think for I, I know you know, go over there and auto bonnet and. I know people have gone to Oktoberfest and absolutely loved it. Crushed it, yeah. Yes. I know you. It's a bucket list. Yeah, it's got to be, right? Yeah. I know, yeah. I mean, that – yeah, I'd miss a week. I, yeah, I, I might, think you would, I might right? need detox by the time you come back. <laughs> so that's uh, – it's not during Oktoberfest, though. It's November 13th when that game is being Correct. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Bayern Munich's one of the best – that's one of the best – clubs and in, in all in all of sport uh and one of the most successful and they would that that whole operation is going to be first class there uh and i i have not been to london so i would put london second and then i would put the mexico city games uh so it's minnesota and new orleans at tottenham on the 2nd of october it is the giants and packers at tottenham stadium in london on the 9th uh on october 30th it is denver and jacksonville at wembley and then um, in uh, in November, you have Seattle and Tampa Bay at the Allianz Arena in Munich. And then on the 21st of November, San Francisco and Arizona at Estadio Azteca. We went to a different stadium in London than that. Yeah, we were at Twickenham. Yeah. That's crazy that that was where you played with all the stadiums they have in London that they could have played you in. Correct. Why were you there? Wembley was under construction. Or Tottenham's or brand something. new, so that wouldn't have been in play. Yeah, yeah. and why I didn't think, they put you? Why didn't they take you out of London, go play in like Manchester or something? So you could have played one of those stadiums. I don't know. Um, and, and the place where we played, they were going to start renovating it after we played there. <laughs> it was the. It's the home of the rugby team. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, the team. The team it's themselves stayed at the uh, rugby, um, the England rugby headquarters. Oh, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, it's all right. It was fine, except <laughs> there was no media section. It was in the Brother, middle of the stand. We called the game, <laughs> Donovan and I, in the stands. <laughs> it's great. No monitor. No uh, scoreboards. Why do they not see. have a – they don't have a press box? No. No. Fans like they have like a press like outdoor section, but it was just for writers. The L, the the news, uh, the video and audio. We were literally out in the middle of the stands. So uh, it's TV like was the, somewhere else. Really? I don't know where TV was. So it's like the Rugby World Cup. It's had some concerts, although uh, not as many uh, recently as you would have thought. American football three different times. We were the last one to play there in 2017. So the Rams it's, played there twice. The LA Rams played there twice in 2016, and then um, and then we played there in. Uh, it's also 2017. In the middle of a city. Like, oh my God! It is. I'm looking at this stadium. It in really a neighbor, is in neighborhoods. Well, yeah. And there are no. There's no parking lots. And there's no police escort out. 
So it took us what a strange like three hours to go like Google what it is from there to to Heathrow, like on a normal situation. We we, we literally had to go to the stadium like six hours before kick because of the traffic. It took us over three hours, and then you got on a plane and then flew for a long, long time home. That was it. Was rough. And those of us, it was a great stayed, time though. So like, you know, you stayed. It's, though. it's nineteen. It's five miles. It took us three hours. Come to on, get from the stadium to the. They airport. couldn't get out of the parking we lot. Couldn't get out. There are little it's teeny five narrow miles. roads. It's a nineteen-minute drive. No, wrong. Mm-mm, was not. The best was what? our corporate partners. We were supposed to be on a corporate partnership bus back because the it, the employees here weren't flying home till Monday. Um, the whole content team got left behind. We got downstairs. I'm like, "Where's our bus? Gone, gone." So then they sent. They were like, "Jim Donovan was left behind." No, no he, he was, was on with, our plane. He was on the team plane. Okay. Yeah, there the, were two the, planes. Yeah, there were two planes. One of which allowed drinking. One of which did not. Not ours. Not, not the flying there, man. Not the team plane. No, it's like could have used protocols. a cocktail or two. Instead, they That's just tried to carve us up. Out of co- <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go great either. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I think you'd be treated much better at uh, in Munich. I think you'd be treated. Yeah, I got a feeling there's at least mili- <laughs> there's escorts at least. Yeah, the, yeah. There's. I think there would be. I think they probably would have some things sorted yeah. out. Yeah, a right. little motorcade. One of the Come big on. worries. Oh, yeah. One of the big worries about this were the um, was that the because this is the Bengals going back to New Orleans, and I know they were worried about Chase and Burrow not playing in New Orleans, and that didn't happen. So New Orleans is playing Minnesota, not Cincinnati. So Burrow and Chase will go back to Louisiana, which is they're quite smart. popular smart. down there to, to deliver that. All right. Uh, speaking of smart, Dane Brugler, very smart. He will join us coming up next. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 Pink ESPN. Transition. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Browns fan Sugardale sponsoring grand opening events at two Myers stores. Visit the Canton store this Friday, May 6th. The Brunswick store on Friday, May 13th for samples and giveaways and special appearances by Browns alumni and chops. For store locations and more details, visit Sugardale.com slash events. And with that, we head out on the hotline for a visit with our good buddy, Dane Brugler, the athletic. He is the master of the draft. Uh, we praise Dane appropriately so often. However, Z. There is umbrage that needs to be taken, and I will give you the floor. Thank you. Dane, I hate to have to start our conversation this way, going with a, with a trip down to negative town, but <laughs> I've got to do it, and here's why. For example, yesterday we were discussing Isaiah Thomas, the seventh-round draft pick of the Browns. That's right. Many people feel one of the, the nice steals of the seventh round. Bo wondered aloud, was he named after the NBA superstar? I said, well, who would know this? Dane Brugler. We look, sure enough. Sure enough. Named after Isaiah Thomas, that nugget was in there. So typically, I expect greatness. I expect every nugget just like that one to be in there. However, when it comes to Alex Wright, Dane, and you, you chronicled that he played basketball, he chronicled he's a wide receiver, he received an offer as a tight end, all of that. But what you failed to mention. This is unbelievable. Which I feel is egregious, is that he is actually the tallest person currently residing in Elba, Alabama. And I feel like that's one of the things that would be immediately in the bio in something as thorough as the Bible, Dane. Answer for well, your crimes. 
you know, I, I, I asked around in Elba. I flew down there, and, you know, I, I just didn't get enough answers, I guess. I, I mean, it, he's six, just over six foot five. Uh, right, so, so it's know, surprising that he's also yeah, the tallest guy. Right. It's a town of yeah, 2,500 people. Right, yeah. So, you know what? I went down there. I didn't get my answers. Um, but, you know, that, that, that is a good nugget. I, you know what? That, that's the carrot for next year's draft guide. You know, next year's draft guide needs to be better, needs to be more thorough. Uh, thank you for keeping me humble. Thank you. Yeah, it's our, it's, our, it's our pleasure. It was actually pretty funny yesterday, Dade. We were going through Isaiah Thomas, and, I, and that all happened organically. Like, I was unaware that, that, that we had beef with you up until that point. No, and I, and I said, uh, I, go, I wonder if he was. And Z pulls it out. Sure enough, yes, he was. That is how comprehensive the beast is, my friend. Um, before we get into some of the specifics on players and all of that, for you, when you put the work that you put into the draft and all of a sudden – Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday are done. What is the feeling like for you when that is all done? Oh, I mean, it's a huge relief. Um, first and foremost, all every pick has to be in the draft guide. If it's not, then I'm not doing my job. And thankfully, uh, all 262 picks uh, that were made over the weekend, uh, every name was in the draft guide. And that's, that's very important to me. That's, that's something I, I care a lot about. And it's, you know, all it takes is one team to fall in love with an obscure player that, um, you know, we just don't know enough about, didn't have, uh, you know, a way to get the info on or discover him. And uh, thankfully that, that didn't happen here. So it was, it was a big relief to, to get that. Um, but then it's also, it's, it, it's fun talking about these players and making educated guesses on projection and where they'd be a great fit um, and, and all that. But it's, it's even more fun talking about, okay, when the dust settles, we can talk about who each team drafted. Look at the philosophy that they're looking at. You know, can we? What can we learn from each team and how they drafted? Where they drafted certain players? Uh, the values, the fits. Um, it, it's it, we can best tell how NFL teams are evolving by the money they spend and the draft picks they make. You know, that that's what tells us where the evolution of, of the game is headed. And so it's just it's always interesting after the draft to kind of, all right, let's let things settle down. Let's look at each draft class and then just kind of parse it out and, and uh, you know, kind of react to what happened instead of trying to guess what's going to happen. Dane, for the Browns, we spent so much time talking about, you know, the scenarios that would start with a pick at 44 that would dictate what would happen at 78 and 99. And then the Browns said, eh, who needs to pick at 44? We're going to pick up 68. We're going to pick up 108. We're going to pick up 124. Now, those three turn into Martin Emerson Jr., Perrion Winfrey, and Cade York, and MJ Emerson being the first player drafted by the Browns surprised a lot of us. I know it surprised you. Since mm -hmm. you've done your evaluation, and I don't know if you've talked to people with the Browns, what is it that they like about Emerson? What did you see that was good about Emerson? But I know you didn't have him on your board anyway that as highly rated as, as the Browns did. No, I didn't. And you know what? I, I had a pretty good track record going there uh, with uh, Jedrick Wills and then Gregory you did. last year. But, uh, I mean, you would have given me maybe, uh, you know, 50 guesses. I probably would not have guessed Martin Emerson as being the first uh, first pick for the Browns this year. But, you know what, that trading back, um, you know, not picking in the first two rounds, that opened a lot of uh, different sure. options for this team. And I think it's a little surprising they went corner. Uh, first, and obviously, you know, the Troy Hill 
transaction that that kind of cleared up a little bit there. But it'll be interesting to see how they they use these corners with uh, you know Denzel Ward obviously here for the long haul. Uh, Gregory Newsom, uh, first round pick last year. The early results were very positive with him, and then you add Martin Emerson to that mix, who is. Uh, I think just on the surface, an outside corner. And so uh, it'd be interesting to see how they used him. You love the size. He's over, he's almost six foot two, 200, over 200 pounds. Um, he's a, a guy that the speed doesn't necessarily jump off when you watch him, but he's a very smooth mover for a guy that, that size. Uh, turn, the change of direction, uh, the footwork, the way he can transition, uh, that really stands out with him. So I think that, you know, a, a guy with that, uh, that length, uh, a guy that's uh, uh, plays aggressive, uh, and it shows in the run game. He's not afraid to come downhill. Um, it shows with his ability to play the football. Um, I think my issues with Martin Emerson were uh, just that he didn't have that uh, elite speed that you're looking for at the position. And then it, it just with corners, it always bothers me with the lack of production. And I'm not talking about interceptions. Like Gregory Newsom had, I think, one interception in his career. Denzel Ward wasn't a big interception guy. But in my experience, passes defended, pass breakups for defensive backs, that, that's, a, that's a, something that usually translates. And he only had three last year. That was something that really bothered me with Martin Emerson. But you know what? He had double digit the year before that. So, you know, it's how do you, uh, you know, how do you take a guy that, you know, had the production in 2020, but then it fell off quite a bit um, it, with more games played this past season. So that's something that, you know, I think each team looked at it a little bit differently. But with, with Emerson, you love the length, you love the aggressiveness, um, and, and again, for a guy that that size, I think the short area quickness is a lot better. He moves like a smaller athlete, put it that way. Dane, I want to talk to you about David Bell. I was a I was a really big fan of David Bell from his time at Purdue. I like guys who produce against the best teams they play, and he did that a lot uh, this past season at Purdue. And his best games were against the best defenses the Boilers played. Turns out the only person that liked him more than me was perhaps Kevin Stefanski, who just absolutely loved him. Uh, what do you make of the Bell fit and his ability to play right away here in Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, he, he uh, a lot of people were very down on David Bell after he ran um, at the pro day. And I, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure why, because he's not when you watch him on film, his speed is not what what you love about him. It, you know, that's not what you know jumps out and grabs you. Um, and I think we were already downgrading David Bell because he's not a four four athlete. He's a four six athlete. And at his pro day, he was a four seven athlete. Um, but you know, I think we were already downgrading David Bell for that by putting him in the, the day two conversation and not talking about him as a first round pick. So, and, and then once he ran at the pro day, people downplayed him even more, which didn't make sense to me, but talking to a scout that was at that pro day, he, he said, yeah, you know what he did? He ran in the four sevens, but you know, what was great about his pro day was his workout catching the football. He, he said he just blew everybody away, um, you know, with the routes, with his ability at the catch point. Um, and that matches with the tape. I mean, this guy from the, the get-go, as a true freshman, was a uh, productive receiver. And so you love the body control that he plays with. He's tough. Um, he's a ball winner. And, and that's something that you could use at every level of the field, uh, slot, outside. Uh, you know, give me a guy that's going to go up and get the football. So um, I had him ranked as a mid-to-late third-round pick, and uh, that, that's pretty much exactly where he went. I thought the Browns got good value with him. 
Dane, you liked that pick. I know you liked Alex Wright, and I can tell you in my time here, that was a guy that was just one of the most consensus picks in this building. Everybody had penciled in, as you did, Alex Wright to the Browns at 78. That was one of their original picks. That's exactly where they got him. They are thrilled about him, and then they would go on, and I thought the start of the fourth round, that stretch from Wright, Bell, Winfrey to Cade York really felt like a great stretch for the Cleveland Browns there. Uh, What do you like about Alex Wright and then, getting Winfrey, who's a guy that you thought could go in the second where they did in the fourth, and then the guy cuts an unbelievable promo as well that he's got a future (laughs) in the WWE, as we found out uh, once we got him. Yeah, Alex Wright, I I, I was a big fan of his. Um, I actually had him as a late second, early two, or a late second, early three, and then with his injury, because he he had a pec injury when he was lifting at at the Combine. And so that really kind of put him behind a little bit. So I knocked him down a little bit on my board. But based off the tape, I mean, the when you're looking at the traits and what he can grow into, uh, that gets you excited. I mean, this is a long-limbed, rangy athlete. Um, uh, he's still learning. I mean, and when you talk to him, you you get that sense that he, he's a work in progress with just his his rush plan and you know uh, sequencing his rush moves together to counter what blockers are, are, are doing to, to stop him. But he has all, all the ability in the world. Uh, really, really long. Like I said, thir- over 34-inch arms. Uh, the wingspan is humongous. Um, and this is a guy still growing, still developing into his body. So uh, that's that, that in my uh, mock draft after the first round, I had Alex Wright going to the Browns uh, with that second, third-round pick. Um, I, I thought it was just when you talk about – you know, how young he is, where he is in his development. This is the type of edge player that I think the Browns would really be interested in. And, and it turns out that's how, that's how it happened. And so this past year, seven sacks, led the team in sacks, uh, led the team in forced fumbles. Um, I, I, again, a, a guy that you feel is just scratching the surface. Um, you know, he's got speed to power. Um, you know, he has some bend to him, even though he didn't test off the charts. You watch him, and he has bend in his ankles. Um, you know, he, he can bend at the waist. Uh, you know, he he can really uh, capture that corner, and that kind of opens up different things for him at the top of his rush. So, Alex Wright, big fan of his. Uh, and then, yeah, to get Perry on Winfrey in the fourth round. Um, I mean, to stop that fall, that that was a no-brainer at that point. I know with Winfrey, you know, there are some questions that's just about. Um, you know, holding up as a run defender. Uh, you know, just being, you know, a full-time type of player. Uh, at the next level, and that's why he fell a little bit. But uh, he's not a guy that blockers want to go up against uh, too often. Yeah. He's so long. He's so intimidating. Um, I mean, this guy is intense. And it, when everything's firing, everything's on point and on schedule, he is going to be a hard guy to slow down. And that's exactly what this team was looking for, right? They were looking for that yep. interior penetrator, a guy that can uh, has that one-step quickness that's going to infiltrate gaps and, and, and force the, you know, the backfield to – kind of readjust what they're doing, and Winfrey can do that. Let's talk about Cade York, uh, the the kicker in the fourth round, he, kind of the end of that group that Z was talking about. Uh, shortly after the, the draft, we get the other kickers out of here. It's his job. He's got to go win it. Um, from a leg talent, can you compare him with other guys that have – I mean, we had McPherson last year with the Bengals. Where does, where does York sit in that group? Yeah, I mean, it's comparable in terms of uh, uh, leg power, but I think more importantly is – the, the leg confidence. I mean, that's something that um, it, when, when just talking with different teams about this, you know, okay, how many guys do you think are going to get drafted that are specialists? I mean, you know, go through punters, go through long snappers, go through kickers. 
most had Cade York as, oh, yeah, he's definitely getting drafted, probably, you know, fifth round. Um, but, you know, for the Browns, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know this, but I'm guessing that they probably didn't have a draftable grade on maybe some of these other kickers. And so that's why they felt, okay, in the fourth round, we need to get Cade York here because we don't want to take the chance that he might not be available for us, uh, you know, later on. So uh, did they overdraft him a little bit? Maybe, but sometimes you have to do that when there's only, uh, you know, there's more demand than there is supply. And in terms of the top kickers this year, there was one name at the top, and that was Cade York. And so, um, you know, even going back to um, not this past season, but the year before when LSU and Florida matched up in that game, which was, you know, best known for the the shoe game when when, uh, Marco Wilson threw the shoe, but uh, or his cleat, that was uh, was also a game where Cade York hit a game winner for LSU and kind of overshadowed Evan McPherson a little bit in that game. So Cade York, I, I think, has made a lot of big-time kicks in the SEC, talking about that, that leg confidence. Um, more, off, more, more than anything for a kicker, you want a guy that in any situation you're going to trust him, that you're getting the same mechanics, yep. the same thought process, the same mentality, um, and, and a guy that can be consistent. And I think Cade York can do that. Talking with the great Dane Brugler. All right, Dane, the Browns, I I was shocked that the Browns picked nine players. Honestly, I really was. I was floored. Now, they did add two picks into next year's draft as well, get another fourth and another fifth. But uh, of Ford, Woods, Thomas, Deaton, uh, anything that, you know, these are guys in the old days that you say, okay, the Browns drafted them, they're going to make the roster and potentially play. Now it's, there's no guarantee that these guys are going to make the roster. They're going to fight to make the roster uh, being drafted here in the fifth, sixth, seventh rounds for the Browns. But, you know, Ford incredibly productive at Cincinnati. But anything jump out at you about that bottom of quartet there? Yeah, and it's really going to be interesting with the, the running back and receiver with, with Jerome Ford, Mike Woods, um, you know, going to those depth charts. How did that, you know, shake itself out with the – uh, you know, because I don't think either of those guys are locks to make the active roster coming out of camp. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, the competition. And that's what you want with day three draft picks. Guys are going to come in and compete and really push the guys in front of them. There, there's no room for complacency. Um, and so I, I think, you know, for training camp, that that's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting at those two positions. I really like the Isaiah Thomas pick, um, a, a guy that tested, I think, better than most people thought. Um, on tape, you don't see a guy that's necessarily – he's not like an Alex Wright where he's going to bend the corner and, you know, uh, win with uh, speed around the edge. I mean, it's more uh, power, and he uses those long arms, those heavy hands where he's going to create uh, movement at, at contact. He's going to go through you. Um, and he's going to put the blocker on skates, and that's what you're getting, um, you know, with, uh, with Isaiah Thomas. So the, the length, the size. Uh, he, he's going to be, a, I think, a rotational player from the get-go, a guy that can play the run, um, more of your traditional defensive end. So I, I think a guy that can come in and be part of a, a strong rotation uh, as early as his rookie season. Dan, have you started working on 2023? Of course. I mean, it's, you know, we got to look <laughs> forward. Um, you know, it, we don't, you don't, you know, we just got done talking about you can't be complacent. So, uh, That's right. you know, it's, it's you right got to look forward out. and got to, you know, I, my mock draft for 2023 is out already, which is, um, trust me, I, believe, I, I understand it's very silly, but, um, you know, people should look at it as a, a watch list of, you know, 32 teams for next year or 32 players for next year to keep on the radar, a couple of Ohio State guys in there. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, T.J. Stroud, a quarterback, he was my number one player uh, on the mock draft. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be the C.J. Stroud versus, Brian, uh, versus uh, uh, Bryce Young conversation uh, the entire year. You know, Heisman, college football playoffs, 
number one overall pick. Uh, I feel like it's going to be uh, it's going to be overkill a little bit, but uh, it's something that I'm sure will be here before we know it. They've never had that at Ohio State, like a guy who could be the number one pick at quarterback. I yeah. mean, that, you know, well, Fields they, was never going to pass Lawrence. There was nothing that he could do to pass Lawrence, and and so Stroud has that. I was going to ask you uh, from a big picture. This was a defensive end receiver draft. As we forecast out to a year from now, where is the strength of 2023? Well, you know, quarterback is always better next year, right? Well, I think sure. that's definitely going to be true uh, this year. When we had what one quarterback go in the first seventy-three picks um, this past weekend, so um, you know, next year, uh, we, obviously, a lot depends on what happens during the season, how things play out. But there's really talented quarterbacks. We mentioned Stroud. We mentioned uh, Bryce Young. Um, a lot of scouts like Will, Will Levis from Kentucky. Um, Tanner McKee from from Stanford, uh, Phil Jerkovic um, uh, from uh, Boston College is in that mix. Tyler Van Dyke, Miami. Uh, there's a couple other quarterbacks, so we're, we're going to see those guys. Um, you know, or the quarterbacks are going to be well represented. Defense will be as well with uh, you know Jalen Carter from Georgia. We just had Georgia. Uh, three defensive linemen from Georgia go first round, and Jalen Carter might be the best of the group, and he's going to be in next year's draft. Uh, good chance to be a top 10 pick. And then, of course, Will Anderson. Um, yeah. He's, you know, as much as we like, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau and Trayvon Walker, none of those guys were in the Miles Garrett, Chase Young uh, uh, tier as a prospect. Will Anderson from Alabama absolutely is in that tier as that just elite uh, type of pass rusher who has a chance to be a special, special NFL uh, uh, defensive end, pass rusher type. So uh, definitely looking forward to next year. And, uh, you know, obviously something, everything that's going to happen during the season and, and, you know, the guys that will emerge and the sleepers and all that, it's going to be a lot of fun to dive right back into it and prepare for next year. Dane, you are the best. And by the way, folks, in case you're wondering, Dane predicts the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl, the Browns comfortably into the playoffs based on the draft order that he has go. in his 2023 mock. All right, Dame, for the Browns, look, it's hard to evaluate a class that doesn't involve a first or a second round pick, right? And right. so compared to ones that had multiple first, seconds, all of that, it, it's difficult. But when you kind of take a step back and look at the fact that draft picks were used to acquire Deshaun Watson and Amari Cooper in addition to this draft hall, it, from that context, how did the Browns do? Well, yeah, from that context, it definitely changes things. You know, same thing with, uh, you know, the Raiders and include, if you include Devontae Adams as part of their, sure. you know, that, that changes how you view uh, the draft class. Miami Dolphins and Tyreek Hill, yeah, it definitely alters the perspective. Um, and, and certainly for the Browns, uh, you know, they, they believe, uh, you know, they've got their quarterback. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be fun to see it play out on the field. And, you know, we, we didn't see Deshaun Watson last year. But everything before that told us this guy is a, a top five quarterback in the NFL. And so um, very eager to see him back out there to see how uh, to see if he's still up on that level. And, you know, because the Browns obviously believe that he is. And, and if you include a top five quarterback in the NFL as part of the mix, uh, yeah, fair to say the Browns did OK uh, on draft weekend. And, you know, it's kind of weird doing a 2023 mock draft and the Browns not having a pick, you know, that was, yeah. you know, not, not really uh part of the uh, strategy. You know, it's uh, that was a little, a little different. And so, um, but you know, next year, um, hopefully they'll have a, they'll still be picking in the second round because uh, it, it was, uh, it was no fun with the Browns, not in the first two rounds. Uh, but you know, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to track Martin Emerson. He was obviously the, the one guy of the entire class that, maybe my biggest uh, you know just 
I was a little bit different in my thoughts and my analysis. And so it'll be interesting to track Emerson moving forward just to see how he does, um, you know, how he gets coached up, how they use him, uh, what's their plan for him. Um, And so, you know, an opportunity to either, uh, you know, verify what I thought or, you know, learn from, from where I missed on a player like that. So it'll be interesting to track. You don't miss often, buddy. No. Great job. Great talking to you. The best. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, that's our great friend Dave Brugler of The Athletic uh, joining us on the hotline there. Rumkey Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer, as an employee, become part of the family. Visit Rumkey.com to learn more. Paul DePodesta coming up next. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. If a car, truck, or motorcycle accident caused you injury, call the injury attorneys at Elk, Ohio at 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns, and now it is our privilege to be joined on the hotline by our chief strategy officer. As he is Paul DePodesta, and he joins us on the hotline now. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time. Let, let me just start big picture because, Paul, we have this – I think a lot of fans have this this view that they think the draft is this chaotic experience and people are flying in and phones are ringing and you're handing people notes. For, for someone like you who's been through a lot of these and now looking back on this most recent one, how close is that perception to your guys' reality? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I, I would say at times uh, there might be some of that going on, but there's also uh, – there's a lot of waiting. You know, I mean, it's, it's seven rounds in three days. Uh, you know, yep. in the first round, there's a lot of time in between picks that gradually decreases as the draft goes on, but there's still an ample amount of time. And what I think fans probably don't realize is that a lot of the, the groundwork for the trades is done long before you're on the clock. You know, so for instance, this year when we, we had the number 44 pick and we ended up trading back, uh, we were on the phone with a handful of different teams you know, hours before the draft be, even began that night. So we were the 12th pick, you know, at the start of the second day. Um, and, and we had a very good idea of, hey, if if we wanted to move back, uh, these were our opportunities to do so. Um, so when we actually got on the clock, you know, it, it was very clear what we were able to do. So we, we had time to sort of talk through all those different possibilities and, and prepare uh, in case of any eventuality. So while there are some times where it's, where it's a bit frantic, um, you know, for instance, last year when, when uh, JOK was available in the second round, which was a little <laughs> unexpected, um, you're scrambling a little bit more. But, uh, but we do enough preparation leading up to it, both in the, in the day of, but also even in the weeks leading up to it, that um, it's actually probably much more calm than, than people would imagine. So when you went into day two, when that when that part of the draft started, did you already know that hey, if one of our guys and I'm not sure how many were even left on the board at that point, but one of our guys aren't there at 44, did you already know the Houston thing was there? And then does the process be like okay, now we're and we're calling them? Hey, do you still want to do this? I think that last point is is essential. Is do you still want to do this? So yes, we have a very good uh, sense at that point of where our opportunities are. You know, can we move down to? 50, can we move down to 56? You know, who are the teams that are interested in moving up to 44? Now, all of that interest is usually conditional on the guy they want still being there, <laughs> right? Um, so while we're talking to these teams, like I said, an hour or two before the draft begins, um, so we have a sense of who's interested in moving up, that interest could disappear quickly, 
right? So we had three or right. four teams that had, we had talked to about potentially moving up to 44 if our guy wasn't there, <laughs> you know? And, um, and as it turns out, you know, a couple of those teams, uh, their, their interest subsided because the, the guy they wanted wasn't there anymore either. Um, so it, it is fluid, you know, as far as that goes. But, but yes, when we were on the clock, uh, we had already had conversations with Houston. We called to verify they were still interested, um, and then and then ultimately made the decision to to trade back. Paul, we obviously know how process driven you guys are, and we talked to AB about it, and and Kevin about it. We talked to you about it a couple times a year, and, and just thrilled about the way you guys go about your business, and 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 a very very level even even keel approach to it. But at times, do you find yourself because part of the draft is you fall in love with a prospect. And do you have to fall in and out of love with prospects all the time as this is going? And, and how do you manage that and keep it about the process? Because there has to be some emotional tie to a player when you spend all of this time looking into these guys. Oh, there's no question. There, there is, you know, and uh, the good news is there are a lot of players to like, you know, and, and for different reasons. Yep. So, you know, when we go in, when that in that particular circumstance, we're not going in with pick 144 thinking about one player. We're, we're really thinking about a group of, of what I would call target players that we think maybe have a chance to get to 44. Um, some of them likely not, you know, but, but hopefully someone in the group, you know, will get there. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll sort of look at that entire, entire target group and feel really good about any of them. Now, if we take player A, that may send us, uh, in one direction for for the right. next round or even in future rounds. If we take player B, it might send us in a totally different direction, you know, et cetera. Um, but one of the things we do, even to try to prepare ourselves emotionally, is that we hold mock drafts um, in the in the weeks leading up to the real draft, where we have all of our scouts and coaches basically play GM for the other 31 teams, and we run, run through the draft, and we do it a whole bunch of times. And so we end up being presented with, you know, what would you, what you'd consider to be wipeout scenarios, right? Where all the players you like are gone Um, or other scenarios where two of your players are still there and you have to decide between those two. And, um, but what we try to create in those situations is, you know, uh, trade-offs that we're going to have to make. And some of those to your point are, are emotional, right? And, uh, but we've done that. You know, we've done that a week or 10 days before the draft. We've done it a number of times. So by the time the actual draft comes along, you know, we're we're prepared and we're prepared to do it in maybe a slightly less emotional way. Paul, would it be possible for myself, Bo, and Gibbe to have a franchise next year in these mock drafts, the CBD (laughs) team, just just to see how we do there? Yeah, you'd have to talk to Chris Cooper about that. He's he's the guru there. He sets it all up. Coop. Although okay. I will tell right, you, you're, uh, you know, you're subject to criticism from the GM because at some point he may look up on the board and say, "Who's drafting for Arizona?" <laughs> Bring it on, uh, or so might, or, careful, or the other. Conversely, you can be saying, God, "Or CB, Team CBD Cardinals are killing it." Let's go, right? <laughs> That's exactly so, right. When you come out of these things, you mentioned you don't necessarily look at one guy at a spot. It did feel, though, talking to you, talking to Coach, hearing from AB, that at 78, Alex Wright was kind of that guy. It was like, if we can get Alex Wright to 78, we're thrilled about it. Is that one of the more consensus picks you've been a part of from, let's call it third round on? I think first and second round, maybe it's a little easier for that. But it really felt like that was just a kind of a, a unanimous guy that, that you guys were into. 
It was. It was. We and and as you indicate, you know, sometimes that's harder as the draft goes on because you know it's it's easy or it's easier to love a player in the first round where they have very few faults, right? And everyone says, "Geez, I, I'd love to have this player." Um, if a player is available in, in the third round, fourth round, there's at least some question as them, uh, about him as to why he didn't go in the first round, right? So it's a little bit harder to get consensus. Um, that said, you know, so he, he certainly was that. We've been fortunate, I think, in the last three years. We've had a number of picks, you know, beyond the third round that I would consider to be consensus picks. In fact, I would say uh, almost the majority of our picks um, from the third round on in, in each of the three years or each of the past three years have been, you know, consensus type picks. That doesn't mean that every single one of the, you know, 60 people in our football operation between coaches, scouts, analysts, et cetera, all agree, you know, on, on right. a single player, but an overwhelming majority uh, are really in favor of bringing this particular player on board. Uh, but to Alex Wright's case in particular, uh, he was a guy uh, that we had targeted somewhere in the third round that just felt like, hey, this is a, a really good fit for what we want to do um, on defense and, and how we want to play. And um, so we, we were, you know, we felt even going into Thursday, going into round one, we thought, you know, we're probably going to come out of this weekend with Alex Wright as a Cleveland Brown. Um, you know, we just got to figure out how we do it. You guys figured it out very well. <laughs> By the way, I don't think this should go unnoticed, guys. Sure. And I know Bo will certainly appreciate that. But, Paul, thank you so much for knowing that we're Scottsdale people and giving us That's the Arizona right. Cardinals. That is That was very kind. Very kind to me. That was very, very kind of you, Paul. We Especially today, as it's it's quite gray and quite rainy here, sir. <laughs> he might not be aware. He might not be Good aware. It's, yeah, you're winning. Yes, um, winning. Speaking of winning, I got to tell you, Paul, I really like David Bell. Watch a lot of Big Ten football with the Ohio State stuff that I do. And um, one thing I note about that guy is, is when the stage is big and the lights are bright, he shows out against the best defenses they played last year. He was great. I thought Iowa probably the best defense of the Big Ten. I think he had 240 yards against Iowa receiving. Caught everything comes his way. I was excited about it. Then I come to find out Coach DeFancy maybe was even more excited than I was. What can you tell us about the Bell process and getting him in the fold? Yeah, I think I think you hit on it, right? Super productive, uh, played against really, really good competition, uh, excelled when the competition was at, was at its best. Um, he's a clean route runner. He has great hands. We think among the best hands in the entire draft class this year. Uh, and then tough with the ball in his hands. You know, when, once he gets it, he's tough to bring down. Um, so we, we, we just sort of like everything about him. You know, he fits our, our smart, tough, accountable you know, mold of all the players we're, we're looking for. And he joins an already, I think, highly, highly intelligent wide receiver room. Um, you know, all these guys uh, pick up the, have picked up the offense very quickly, can move around uh, into the different spots. And we think he can do that too. He's got some inside-outside flex. Um, we think we'll, we'll certainly see some time in the slot, you know, as well as playing outside. So we just sort of liked everything about him, um, all business attitude, <laughs> you know, and, and – uh, you know, as you said, you know, Coach Stefanski's a big fan. About, I don't know, four or six weeks ago, he came in, came in the office, sat down on my couch, and just unprompted said, you know who I like in this draft? David Bell. <laughs> I said, okay. Uh, and at that point, I thought, all right, David Bell's got a pretty good chance of being with us, <laughs> you know, if, if that's the case. But sort of all throughout, uh, you know, Kevin was a, a big proponent of his and um, was, was certainly excited when we were able to add him. 
That's right. When he said, thanks for believing me, Coach. Oh, I believe in you. That, as I said many times, <laughs> that's as big an endorsement as you're going to get from Kevin Stefanski. Talk with the Browns Chief Strategy Officer, Paul D. Podesta. All right, Depot, you get into the numbers. And, and before I ask a question about the player in particular, I want to talk about the position because last year, obviously, we know. Look, the Browns had the lowest field goal percentage in the National Football League. That was something you wanted to address. You have done that with the selection of Cade York. But big picture, as you guys run through these things, in today's NFL, what is a Justin Tucker, an Evan McPherson, a Carlson? What are those guys worth in terms of, of wins and losses in, in an NFL season? Are they worth a game or a game plus? Well, it really depends on the situation. I mean, you could talk about, you know, in theory what they're worth, but ultimately what, are, what, what matters is, you know, at the end of the day, do they win you, do they win you a game? You know, you sure. don't win very many games in the NFL by kicking a lot of field goals, right? Correct. I mean, if you're, you know, you're on the road, uh, you know, you have four different scoring drives, you score one touchdown, three field goals, you know, you're probably not going to win that game, right? So that that's yep. not that's not the goal here. Uh, you certainly want to make them when you have the opportunity. <laughs> that's a big one because missing field goals is actually pretty painful. Uh, it's it's essentially a turnover, you know, where the team's not only getting the ball where you had it, they're getting it you know, plus seven yards or plus eight yards at that point. Um, so the misses can really hurt. Um, but it's the big makes, you know, it, it's the, it's the makes in the final minute of a half. Um, it's the makes to win a game. We, we saw that a lot, obviously in the playoffs this year, but you know, yeah. throughout the history of football. Um, so, you know, uh, in, in that sense, it's important. It, it, it you will find a moment in your season where it becomes very important to have that guy, <laughs> you know, it, it may not be every week. It may not even be, you know, 15 out of the 17 regular season games, but when it matters, it matters an awful lot. And, uh, you know, we, we have been on the search for, you know, finding some stability of the position. We think the guys that have done it the last couple of jobs have done an admirable job. Uh, the conditions aren't always the easiest, you know, in our place to, to yep. kick and we understand that. Uh, but we, we think we've you know now got a guy that hopefully can solidify this position for uh, for a few years, and we know there are going to be some growing pains as there are with you know with any rookie at any position. Um, but uh, but we think he's got you know a really nice ceiling. Uh, we're we're excited to have him. Yeah, and you make that pick in the fourth round. It's the the earliest a kicker has been drafted since two thousand and 16 and it was one of the picks acquired in the trade back from number 44 does that make it feel a little easier like all right we got this free pick let's let's go ahead and, and use that on a kicker here and I realize you obviously thought he wouldn't be available to you if you waited until pick number 156 so that's why you pulled the trigger there but what was it about Cade that you liked it and just the thought process saying now's the time to get that kicker given the importance you just laid out yeah I, I think you actually hit on it I mean in an ideal world do you you know can you use that pick for something else and you take the kicker a little later? Sure. There was no assurance for us that he'd be available at, at 156. And I think if you look at the sort of cost benefit piece of that, say, how would we feel if he gets taken <laughs> versus how do we feel if we take <laughs> him and people say, geez, that seems a little early. Um, but he goes on to be a great player. I mean, if, if he goes on and has a, has a terrific NFL career, I don't think anyone's going to, going to care where he was drafted. Right. Um, so in that sense, it, it just made sense for us to go ahead and, uh, secure him there rather than run the risk of, of losing him. Um, because we really did think he is a, uh, you know, he's, he's a really high quality prospect at the position. Um, you know, I think he set the record for 
50 plus yard field goals, you know, in college, he made 15 out of 19, which is pretty yep. extraordinary. First of all, yep. it's pretty extraordinary that someone would attempt 19, uh, 50 plus <laughs> in, college. Goals in, yeah. in college, uh, let alone make 15 of them, uh, big leg. Um, you know, we think he can, he can, even though he didn't kick off in college because of an incumbent there, we think he can be a really good kickoff guy for us too. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, we, we think ultimately it's an important addition and, you know, even if it's maybe it's that one game, you know, even sometime in the next two, three, four years, that really makes the difference. Uh, I think we'll be thrilled if we have them. Yeah, certainly could. I mean, the 57 yarder in the fog in the swamp is one that that you certainly remember. And, and anybody who watched college football remembers that one very, very well. Uh, Paul, now what for you guys? Right. Do you, do you get a minute to breathe here? We know there's still a lot of big names in free agency. There's still some guys as that you, you probably want to have conversation with there. What what's the next couple of weeks like for you guys? And, and we're kind of in a little bit of a lull. Right now, do you, do you sense that there will be some some action starting to pick up in terms of the remaining free agents that are still out there as these rosters start to take shape? Yeah, you know, this, this is actually still a, a busy time for us. Uh, we don't really get to take much of a, a breather after the draft. Um, as you noted, there's still some free agents out there. You know, our, our roster building's really never done, but certainly not done at, at this point. Um, you know, we we still want. Uh, still want to fill some holes before we, before we get to training camp. And ideally while we're here still in the spring season. Uh, so that's sort of the next thing that's on our plate right now is OTAs, right? OTAs have just started. So we've got, we've got players there in the building and, um, and they'll be ramping up as, as the weeks, you know, go on. Um, rookie development starts in about 10 days. You know, I think next weekend we have all the rookies in there for their mini camp and then they get to, yep start joining the big guys um, and the veteran guys in, in OTAs. And on top of that, this is probably the less, uh, less sexy part of it all is that <clears throat> from a front office and scouting perspective, this is actually when everybody's contracts run out. They usually run out at the end of May. So uh, administratively, there's a lot of work to do to try to, uh, you know, get people extensions, keep people on uh, and try to keep your front office team together. And again, that, that generally doesn't make headlines, but, uh, that can have a huge impact on the organization. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to be, you know, very busy here for the next four or six weeks and uh, maybe finally get to take a little bit of a breather once we get through veteran minicamp in, in mid-June. Yeah, Paul, and you mentioned in, in the presser right after the draft, you know, the loaded running back room, first-world problems. Great to have these competitions where these guys who are drafted late try to make the roster. But there still do feel like there might be some needs, whether it be that edge opposite, you know, Miles Garrett, whether that be, you know, a nickel corner with the trading of Troy Hill or certainly adding somebody else to that receiver room. If you are going into the veteran free agent market, is the desire, not to say that it's good, everything works out the way you want, but is the desire to have – these guys here for the man in time for the mandatory mini camp so that they can get started there. Would you like to have, you know, the roster as fleshed out as possible by then? Uh, I think that's probably true both for the team and for the players. I think, I think okay. players at this point are, are anxious, especially if it's going to be a, a new situation for them. Uh, they want to be in, they want to be in some of the OTAs. They certainly want to be in veteran mini camp. Uh, they want to start to learn the language, uh, you know, become friendly with their teammates, you know, et cetera. So look, it, it's not the end all be all, um, you know, during the COVID year, we didn't even have any, any spring practice Correct. Uh, and everyone still managed. So um, I think it's, it's more of a nice to have rather than need to have, but yeah, I, th I think, you know, in a perfect world, everyone would rather, you know, get together, you know, or, or, or make some of these deals, you know, sooner rather than later. And for us, 
though I'll, I'll say this, and we're the the quest for the perfect roster will always continue, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> it sort of doesn't even if we add some guys now or we don't, uh, it doesn't stop now. It doesn't stop in training camp. You know, won't stop you know during the course of the season. So uh, it's something that uh, we're always. You know, we're, we're always on top of, you know, every every day, even during the course of the regular season. Paul, thank you so much for yes. your time. We appreciate you giving us Pleasure. a little bit of it today. Thanks, pal. No problem. All right, that is Great. Paul D. Podesta, our chief strategy officer there on the hotline. A lot of bad advice about gambling from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll. The miss can lose you money and get you in a lot of trouble. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't at KeepItFunOhio.com. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Now you're thinking about upgrading your enterprise operating system but can't afford the downtime and disruption that goes with a major overhaul. Bo here for my friends at EOX Vantage. Their data scientists are also business operations experts. Your EOX Vantage team does not take a rip and replace approach to improving your operating systems. Instead, they help you build onto what you already have. So you make the best use of your investment, both old and new. If you're fearing your employees will not stress out over your new systems, EOX Vantage works to ensure your people can easily adopt their new workflows at a comfortable pace. You can start out by making things easily manageable changes and then add on more when the time is right. They make it easy for you. Read how other business owners have overhauled their systems without overwhelming their people at eoxvantage.com. Great talking to Paul D. Podesta. May the 4th yes. today, uh, the OB1 trailer dropped, I saw. Yeah, May 27th. Where's that fit excited. in the timeline? It's going to be pre. Wait, that drops May 27th? Yeah. So does Top Gun 2. <laughs> wow. Speaking That's a of. big weekend. Speaking of. Feels like I'm on the wrong side of my height. I'm very sad about this. I don't know who. I, Listen, if that comes to be, you've already haven't you already done it? Yeah, I want to say it was. So I want to say it was the Air Force though, the Thunderbirds. Thunderbirds. Was yeah, it? it was Thunderbirds. It was in Montana. It's pretty cool. Yeah, very, very. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty damn excited for the for the the Top Gun Maverick. I mean, that's a that's a what. 35 years in the making yeah modes had dinner with them while the, i remember the that yeah yeah with tomas yeah yeah i think that's going to be i hope they land the plane on that so to speak how could they not you just run to. it back you basically it's really i'm like, sure they will i'm sure that now he's scary he's he's yeah, he he's viper scared. call yeah. sign viper right and yeah. now you got a new maverick yeah but does does Cruz have the ego to allow for a new maverick or will he still like at the end? Is he still going to be the one in the dogfight that wins it? Yes, of course. Unlike the original, didn't they try doing that at, at Mission Impossible? Like they were trying to transition to Renner, and he was like, "Actually, no, no. It's I think game. I'm going to keep doing it for another 20 years." Yeah, yeah. It the difference. It would be as if in Top Gun that they compel Viper to get back in the plane for one last. Well, he said, if, "If you don't have your Rio, give me a call." He should have. That would have been. That would have been the right way. Ah, uh, as opposed to Tim Robbins storyline. Yeah, Tim Robbins instead gets right. called to the bullpen at the end. Who was Merlin, right? No, Merlin, yeah. Yes, because Cougar was, he flew, he he flew, flew with Cougar. Cougar. Yeah. yeah, right. And so then they brought him in. Uh, but yeah, Huge they called the Viper. I also feel pretty fast and loose with how quickly you could get from Miramar 
to the Indian Ocean. That's a quick. They're in jets. Yeah. We're going super. So long ways, coach. Long ways. Long ways. That's a long ways. Also, a little fat. These guys did drink a lot for operating uh, those planes. They're pilots. They're fighter jockeys. They're flyboys. Yeah. I know what they, they do. do. I mean, we're having some champagne. Next thing you know, turn we're and burn, Ocean. baby. Yeah, on a well, plane. We had to go quickly. That was a big miss because why do you why why use why the line? Say, why say it? Like if that line was said in a episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, he ends up being the real, and that would have been awesome. Yeah. A huge miss in retrospect, and I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, you just brought it up, and now I'm pissed. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it seems like something. There was a lot of build to it. I mean, he goes to his house, yeah, talk about his big. dad, and and away we go. I will say this: a buddy of mine put in a theater room. I was at his house on Saturday night, and he put that on. Holds up from this from the beginning. The, uh, yes, it holds up emphatically. I'd never seen. I didn't see it in the theater. I'd only seen it. On tele- I mean, I was a little kid oh, when it came out, movie. but it's one that in with proper audio visual, the stuff you pick up on is even more impressive that they were able to do in like 1986 or whenever that movie came out. Well, the best part about it is there isn't CGI. No, like, real planes. flying planes. The flying planes, baby. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it the whole first to it, the whole first scene, it's as good as any start to any oh, movie ever. The whole thing through it. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. They crushed it. Yeah. The MIGs were great. The black planes. Mm-hmm. The Red Star. Yeah. Just looked formidable. They sure did. Even though those Menacing. actually are training planes, which is hilarious. Yeah. So, so good. So, the anyway, back to so May the 4th. So, this, yeah. this Obi-Wan comes after the original three, but before. No, no. I, I believe it's pre all of it. No, no, no. I don't no? think so. I think it's. Or no 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 yeah you're right it would be, it would be after no 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 it's after, the events of the of the middle George Lucas trilogy, ten years after the events of Revenge of the Sith I when yes. see, it's hard for me to count the I don't first like when three, they do that so it's ten years before, A New Hope yes fine yes so it's it's so that's what gets confusing because I said it's it's after the first three but what chronologically it is but the second three is what it's after. In terms of when the movies were produced, correct. Yeah, or it's the timeline of the Earth of the world. Yes, just like so. Was, Which three uh, and four though would also like be one, one and six, if you were doing it in terms of how they were produced by Hollywood, chronologically in the world. Yes. Yeah. Right. But it's confusing. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah, yes. Again, the original three. It takes place ten years before the original. We'll just call it that way. Yes. Ten years before. Yeah. New Hope. So That's you'll see young Vader. You'll see Vader developing. You should see some development there. You should Luke should be about ten years old if they have any young Lukes involved. You would yeah. feel like Obi- he was familiar with Obi Wan in yeah in the new ben, Hope. old ben, ben old Ben Kenobi yeah. So that should be they should we should see some of that. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that. Rogue One's also a tremendous Disney film, yes. uh, Star Wars film. I watched it. I, I I can't remember. It's great. Where did that fall chronologically? right three right in the into four it like ends going right into four as they finally get the death star plans it's the story of how they get the death oh star plans that's that right yeah leia's transporting this she gets her little cruiser gets sucked into the star destroyer yeah and that's literally how it ends it ends as that's as that's happening with darth coming in yeah with him coming which in. is a tremendous it's awesome that's a great movie that so all solo would be good solo's okay I solo's like good solo. too solo's okay fun movie i, I liked it 
My my fa- if I had to do a Mount Rushmore of Star Wars movies, I would probably go Empire Strikes Back one, Jedi two. Love Return of the Jedi. Jedi's great. Great. Any people who poo poo on Jedi are over Ewoks. Bozos. Get out of here. Come yeah, on. Get out of here. It's great. A New Hope probably four, and then I would for me personally Rogue One goes goes fourth. A New Hope would go third, and then Rogue One four. So New Hope gets pretty long. The first hour is a long hour. But it's good. It's long. It's a long hour before we start to pick things up. Get it going. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot going on there. Um, I would have Jedi 1. Jedi's my favorite. Jedi's that would be great. my favorite. Empire Strikes Back is, I think, the best movie. Jedi Probably. is the one of my childhood and, and yours, obviously. Yeah. It was the best. It was great. You know what I have in my in my house? I bought them off of eBay Leia's outfit? a while ago. No. Hey, no. I have. It's a great outfit. Do you remember the Burger King glasses? Yeah, I've got the full. How, the amazing in retrospect Return that they the went. Jedi set at that time. That that's stunning that you have it. Everybody I had wanted it, as a it. Kid. I went to Burger King to get that. Of course, of course. It's amazing in retrospect, and because at that time McDonald's had such a stranglehold that Burger King was able to pull in the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, and they're like the kids tried to take them to. And I'm like, no, 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 like, no well, Why no. are they here? To look at. That's right. They're daddy's things. They're awesome. I the have one with with they have because one of them's got when uh, C3PO is like floating when he's mm-hmm. makes him the god. Yeah. Incredible. I have a life size R2D2 cooler. <laughs> yes. Of course you do. Limited edition from Pepsi when I did a promotion. Does way it back move? That's amazing. It's like, can you control it and make it's it move? on wheels? That's oh amazing. God. That is amazing. I'll show you a picture. I was pulling one up here. That is fantastic. I feel like the three that they just made were all good. Like The Force Awakens, all of those were solid movies. Oh, the first one was awesome. The the first of the the first of the three most recent ones I thought the was Force awesome. Awakens. Yeah, with Kylo Ren and all that yeah. and the and so yeah, that was awesome. That one was really good. It's it I is. like that more than any of the middle three. Yes. Fantastic. This is like a better or worse, higher or lower segment. Calling those the middle three, even though they're the I first know. three, but they're the yeah, middle three chronologically. Really sure, sure, sure. Yeah, very good. Um, higher or lower next? Thanks, buddy. Higher or lower next? Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. looking for the bathroom of your dreams look no further than my friends at the bath authority check them out bathauthority.com they can transform your current bathroom into a custom bath experience that may feel like a spa when all is said and done it can be done for you in about a day if you're looking to transform your tub to a shower they can do that for you the bath authority is cleveland's premier bath and shower remodeler they are experts they are factory trained installers that means that when they build it in a place, they teach them how to install it. That's pretty good. 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel, 216-220-8399, or go to thebathauthority.com. They have the largest selection of bath projects. They're all made in the United States. You give them a call now at 216-220-8399. You get 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. Check them out at thebathauthority.com. Superior products with expert installers and where affordability meets 
quality. Uh, hello, Gibby. Hey, by the way, yeah. Um, did you guys? Are you guys aware that 25 years ago today, Austin Powers hit theaters? Yeah, baby. Sure, it did. Yeah. Great yes, it did. Films. I think underappreciated. I think under. Why? Underrepresented. It's never. I never see it stream. I never see them on on cable as I flip. I'm still a flipper. I don't. I don't ever see it there. It doesn't Gold really get. Gold outrageous. It's outrageous. I love the that second one, one is second awesome. In London, Beyonce. it's um, Beyonce's in the third one. Yeah, Beyonce's in the third. Oh yeah, she's yeah, in she's gold with Goldmember. Yeah, who's in the second one? Uh, Roller Girl. That's right. Heather Graham. Heather Graham, and then you've got uh, and Elizabeth Hurley in and the first one. In, in is in the first one for sure. Yeah, and I mean he just takes on more and more characters. Yeah, it's twenty five. What years did he do after that? Unbelievable. After those uh, movies, this little movie that the movie series that barely made it called Shrek. Barely. Yeah. So Barely. the first Austin Powers was done for sixteen million. It made around seventy. The next two were both over three hundred, and he had a bit. He had uh, a piece of both, and then he did Shrek, so, and that was it. What more do you need? To, you're done. That's a wrap. And it's I, absolutely a wrap. And I would posit that so I married an axe murderer. Some of his finest. He'd he'd fear so no. Cry yourself to sleep on your big pillow. <laughs> that one's amazing. Sputnik. Honestly, <laughs> you know what? Had pointy in spots. Uh, Wayne's World was great. Wayne's World great. Wayne's World's great. Yeah, yeah. they were. They, it was great too. You know, it's interesting. As I was, I, I've seen this get some attention today, and we were. I was thinking about the the idea of uh, Austin Powers, and it was all based on a a very tongue in cheek bond that doesn't exist. And I was reading this morning that actually Daniel Craig said when they launched the most recent Bond movies that he did, that they had to go so far away from like campy Bond, like the Roger Moore campy Bond with the crazy nicknames and all that. Yeah. Because of Austin Powers. Like that and along with that and then the um, Jason Bourne movies led to the current tone of Bond, which is so different than the rest of of the series. We also can't forget Basil Exposition. Basil Exposition was incredible. Uh, So good. Brandon Lynch. DB coach guy. extraordinaire, tremendous human. What a Look guy. Look at him. Always smile. Best time of having the time of his life. Always. Pure joy. Yeah. He must it was have good. picked a good pair today. I think that's crazy that the Hoff puts that it leaves that to chance. It's just it's still one of those it's it, it's incredible. It's it's probably the most incredible thing that we have been blessed, blessed with. with. That's right. And everybody's better for it. Mike Myers net worth estimated to be two hundred million. Yeah. What's he got to do? Nothing. He's chilling. Maybe he's maybe great. living in a warm climate playing golf. Yeah. Could be. I'm big What's that uh, like <laughs> I don't know. I know big hockey guy, big uh, Leafs fan. But he has a real zest for life too. If you were a kid, if you were of our age, um I heard Bill Simmons talking about this and it hit home. I, it really if you are our if you are of our age, Saturday Night Live, his skits, whether it was that one, uh Wayne's World Sprockets uh, the McLaughlin group sprockets was incredible. <laughs> it's outrageous. It's outrageous. But it almost was like Simon. Simon, that's right. That little Simon kid. Was, but you know my name is Simon. And but I like to do drawings. Hello, my name is Simon, and I do drawings. Would you like to see them? Would you? Don't you be looking at my bum, you cheeky monkey. You're that's incredible recall. You bum looker. Incredible recall out of you. I love Simon. Was it was Simon great. Guy. Clearly. I mean, you just did the whole thing, the whole skit. <laughs> big Simon. But it almost felt like he was doing his own SNL. <laughs> he was. Like Mike Myers did his own. Like he, he had two or three skits in an, in an hour and a half and that hit. were just him. And, and he would have bring some people too, in. Doing church lady. Yeah. 
Yeah, all that's happening at the same time. But like his skits oh, almost was, felt like they were separate from the rest of the show. Dynamite. Yeah, they tried doing a Sprockets movie, and he had a deal with Universal to do it. And I don't believe you have ninety minutes of content there. How could you? But I don't like know. Look what he did Roxbury. on like, look, Wayne's World. There. I don't know. I would have said the same thing about Wayne's World, and he yeah. made that work. Well, because Wayne's World, you can at least kind of expand on like their lives, like they are. You could do the same thing with the Sprocket people. guy. Could, Why could, not? Because yeah. I don't know that, that guy's. I don't know if that guy exists in the real world. You could just like, apply a lot of the guys, a lot of the Doctor Evil stuff, the meat helmets and all that. Like, wouldn't it be a similar Wayne, upbringing? Wayne's World. Wayne's Dude, World so made one hundred eighty-three point one million dollars. Yeah, I bet Gross the budget's about eighteen bucks. Wayne's World Two grossed seventy-two. Yeah, yeah I it guess wasn't. You maybe could have. It would have to be take place in Germany. Clearly. <laughs> we'll just save higher or lower for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, you could, yeah. There you go. But doesn't that feel? Don't you feel like you could do it? It would just kind of be a lot like Doctor Evil. His upbringing could be. It, you could yes, borrow a lot of it. Lessons, right? Yeah. Summers in Rangoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it all applies. Do you think? Do you think it's that that era of stuff for our age is similar to like? Uh, Monty Python uh, for like the people in there that are t- 15 years older than us, 20 years older than us. I mean, where they, I, and I everything, grew up with it because my dad was such a Python course, guy. So of course was Pedro all, was. I it mean, was a thousand percent certainty that Pedro was going to be a Monty Python I mean, guy. I could pretty much quote as a kid the meaning of life. I could quote, obviously, uh, Monty Python, The Quest for the Holy Grail. Yes. Just tremendous. I mean, one of the great films ever. Yes, it's fantastic. I blew my nose at you. Do your kids, have they seen any of it? <sighs> mm, no. I wonder if that would pass the sniff test for them. Yeah, like we were trying to get, I want the kids, the kids really haven't even seen Austin Powers. They haven't seen, we were trying to get them to watch Would Madison they get show that? the other day. I don't know. How could you not, though? Well, the a lot of it was great. set up, though, on that Bond. It's a Bond spoof. Sure. And, I mean, some of it is like word for word, almost, like the Bond stuff. Like well, if you're not familiar with that bond, around. yes, of course, right. Miss- but it's but honestly, that one and the villain in the Roger Moore, it's not that far off. How dare you break wind before me? I'm sorry, baby. I didn't know it was your turn. <laughs> so, it's one of my favorite lines. So good. How about this, Mike Myers? This is the money he earned on the movies. This is strictly as an actor. Okay. Obviously, we'll get to the rest. He earned one million dollars in '92 for Wayne's World. Underpaid. Yeah. Three and a half million for the sequel. Underpaid. The first Austin Powers movie started at three and a half million. Good. He got paid seven for the second yep. and twenty-five for the third. That's right. There you go. <clears throat> he only made three million for the first Shrek movie. Ten million for the second and fifteen for the third and fourth. Good yeah. For him. Yeah, there yeah, you he's go. Doing just fine. Now, he he's earned points. hundreds of millions of dollars as a producer. Yeah, he, he got, got points, points on the Austin Powers sequels. Pardon me for being rude. It was not me. It was my food. It just popped up from down to say hello, and now it's gone back okay. down. Okay. How many times did you say that? I mean, that's the other There's, thing about. one of the most quotable movies ever. Here, here's the other thing about that is that was the height of Blockbuster. Uh-huh. And so you would go rent that, and it would just be on a loop in a dorm room. Oh, yeah. Oh, at a party? In a party. Oh, that goodness. was on constantly. We had the giant box of it that was the display in the, the from Blockbuster. We had a buddy that we worked at at Blockbuster. And we, so we had that was in the living room of our house oh, was, the, was that one. I mean, yeah. $1 million? Yes. So good. Dr. Evil's cat in one of the movies came from my neighbor. 
which I, I know that's a fact I've dropped on, a fact would have dropped on you a few times. That's the hairless true. one, the hairless Mr. Bigglesworth was raised by my neighbor, my next door neighbor. The actual cat? Yeah. Yeah, that cat. The hairless Mr. Bigglesworth. That's incredible. Was the cat that mean in real life? Well, the kitten that I got, because they don't have any dander, they are hairless, uh, and we tried to get one, and I, I told the story, it jumped on my back and just like slid down slid with its claws. God, and that it's was awful. It. That was it. Just awful. No, thank you. No, thank you. If that had happened to my dad, oh, that would been the end of that cat segment. That's the end of that. That would have looked like the guy. The who nine lives would have been gone like that. That cat would have looked like the guy who attacked Dave Chappelle. <laughs> right. If this occurred, <laughs> that's the tie together, and now we leave. So much more to come. Well done out of you. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Browns fans, Sugardale sponsoring grand opening events at two Myers stores. Visit the Canton store on Friday, May 6th. The Brunswick store on Friday, May 13th for samples and giveaways and special appearances by Browns alumni and chumps. For store locations and more details, visit sugardale.com slash events. Matt Waldwin will join you tomorrow. Matt Miller will join the All show the as well. All the mats. Uh, what is better? The what is what is the better three day work week? The three days going into the vacation or the three days coming out of the vacation headed into another weekend? Going in. 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 The other one's sneaky good. It is sneaky good. I mean, I'm going to be back here. Had that here. a couple weeks ago. I'll be back here next Wednesday. It'll be a first Friday. Not for me. <laughs> Not for me. Well, I guess it still will be for me. But will I'll be for you, too. Yeah. I've already put in work, and then I've cried on Friday and Saturday when my golf game was rained out. I don't think Not mine you. will be. No, I think we'll be safe on that front. Not All right. Uh, we are back tomorrow, of course. The next level is coming up next. Thanks for listening, everybody. Cleveland Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.